Friends, welcome to Word on Fire Catholic Ministries. Word on Fire is an apostolate dedicated to the mission of evangelization, using media both old and new to share the faith on every continent and to facilitate an encounter with Christ and His Church. The efforts of Word on Fire engage the culture and bring the transformative power of God's Word where it is most needed. Today we invite you to join Bishop Robert Barron as he preaches the gospel and shares the warmth and light of Christ with each of us. Peace be with you. Friends, our gospel for this Advent weekend is taken from the 11th chapter of the Gospel of Matthew. Not from the first couple of chapters, as you might expect for Advent. So we're moving actually right into the middle of Matthew's gospel and to the middle of Jesus' ministry. John the Baptist, so a great Advent figure, has been arrested. And he's heard tell of what Jesus is doing. That's a curious moment, and the historians would say this reflects probably something that's very much grounded in history, that John the Baptist has recognized Jesus in one sense, yes, but he's still you know, got a question. He's still wondering. So here's the question he poses. Is he the one, or should we look for another? Now look, if John had this question, imagine how many others did as well at Jesus' time. They, they were intrigued. I mean, he, he could be. Is he the Messiah? Is he the one? How do we tell? Well, when the inquiry is conveyed to Jesus, the Lord does not respond theoretically. He doesn't respond with a, with a philosophical argument. Rather, he points to things that are happening. This is really important, everybody, and it cuts to the heart of Christianity. He points to things that are happening to show who he is. Listen to him. Go tell John what you see and hear. The blind regain their sight, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised. And the poor have the good news proclaimed to them. Things are happening. Things are changing. If we can use the image from the beautiful uh, passage from Isaiah, which is in our first reading, the desert is blooming. You know, I have the experience now being out here in, in California, and I'm in a more kind of deserty uh, region. And when the rain comes, which is rare, the desert can just flower. Immediately, like overnight, there's something of that quality here. Like suddenly in the desert, this place of, of blindness and deafness and lameness and suffering, suddenly things are happening. The desert is blooming. Now, was Jesus doing all this in the literal sense of restoring sight to blind eyes and, and hearing to deaf ears and, and so on? Yes, yes. I don't want for a second to underplay that. That he was indeed a miracle worker and a healer was one of the most fundamental perceptions regarding Jesus. It was a prime reason why people were drawn to him. When God came among us in Christ, he affected the work of repairing his broken and hurting creation. It's a basic, I think, idea of the incarnation. It's the creator God returning to a dysfunctional and broken creation to restore it. And mind you, he's not simply interested in souls. He's interested in bodies as well. There's the incarnational principle. 
And so to confirm what he says to John, we do indeed hear about the man born blind who's restored to sight. We do indeed hear about Bartimaeus, the blind man. We hear about the paralyzed man lowered down through the roof to Jesus. We hear of the woman with the flow of blood who's cured. We hear of the man who's deaf and dumb to whom Jesus says, Ephpatha, be opened. And we hear of Lazarus and the daughter of Jairus and the son of the widow of Naim. So yes, indeed, the desert is blooming. Yes, indeed, the blind regain their sight, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed. The deaf hear, the dead are raised. Things are happening. That's how Jesus proves who he is. Okay? But the Bible always operates at multiple levels. And this goes back to the earliest interpreters of the Bible. And so all these physical healings and wonders are meant to be read also as evocative of spiritual transformations as well. God cares for bodies, yes, indeed, and he cares for souls. He wants us to have a more abundant life at the physical level, yes, indeed. But listen, above all, he wants to give us the divine life. He wants to give us the life of grace, a share in the love that God is. And so now we're permitted indeed, I'd say compelled, to read what Jesus says here spiritually and symbolically as well. Jesus comes to give sight to blind eyes. Well, one of the principal effects of the loss of the divine life is spiritual blindness. Now, fellow sinners, we can all recognize this. Blind people don't know where they're going. Without guidance, they would just wander more or less aimlessly. The most focused person in the natural order, think of, of a captain of industry or a leader of business or a military commander or a politician, whoever. The most focused person in that order can be utterly lost in the supernatural order. Their life can amount more or less to wandering around. Again, does that sound familiar, everybody? And again, I'm, I'm invoking these two orders, the natural and the supernatural. We can be really together at the natural level, and yet we can be utterly blind supernaturally in regard to God, in regard to our salvation, in regard to the divine life, in regard to all that truly matters. We can be blind. And so, grace the divine life, what Jesus comes to give, is a kind of light by which we can see. It's a light in which we can walk. How wonderful in that story of Bartimaeus that I reference. The blind man says, Lord, Master, I want to see. And once he regained his sight, we hear, he followed Jesus up the road. Now, that's at the literal level, yeah. But it's also, and all the church fathers see this, it's also a metaphor for discipleship, isn't it? So Bartimaeus, blind, is, is like all of us sinners, blind spiritually. And so we don't know where we're going. We don't know which road to take. 
But once we have our sight restored, once the divine light has come into our souls, then we know how to walk. One of the principal effects of losing the divine life is a kind of spiritual deafness, isn't it? We can hear every voice, but the one voice that matters. What do I mean? I mean, we can attend to suggestions from teachers and gurus and pop stars and academics and newscasters, et cetera, et cetera. But we can't seem to attend to the voice of the conscience, which, as John Henry Newman said, is the aboriginal vicar of Christ in the soul. We can't hear the voice of Christ in the teaching of the church. We can't hear it in the lives of the saints. There are a lot of people who are very, very attentive to lots of different voices in the natural order. They can respond to all kinds of stimulus and suggestion, but they're deaf. They're deaf when it comes to the deep things of life. So what does Jesus do when he gives us the divine life? Is He restores our hearing. He makes us attentive to the one voice that matters. You know, I've seen this a lot in people that I've dealt with who are undergoing a conversion. And their life has been all about money-making or success or worldly power and or making, you know, the right and influential friends. And, and their lives have been ordered that way. And then suddenly, suddenly, through the breakthrough of grace, they hear a different voice. And those concerns just fall away. They become utterly secondary. Like when Paul says, you know, everything I, I took to be valuable, I now consider rubbish compared to what, what has, has been uh, revealed to me. And so when the divine life floods into you, your spiritual hearing is restored. Another principal effect of sin is a spiritual lameness or paralysis. You know, I might be the most uh, busy, active, energetic person in the natural order, but I'm stuck in place in the supernatural order. I got it together, you know, when it comes to my job or my friendships. I move around with confidence in that order. But spiritually speaking, I'm stuck in place. I have what the spiritual masters call sloth or laziness of spirit. Remember, um... In the Gospel of Luke, we hear that Mary, once she understands her mission, she proceeds in haste. I've always loved that phrase. Dante loved it, too. It means she's, she's not marked in any sense by sloth. She has no laziness of spirit. She knows where to go, what to do, how to move. Once we have the divine life in us, all that sort of silly superficial movement can fall away, and we know how to move spiritually. And finally, let's cut to the chase. The principal effect of losing the divine life is a kind of spiritual death, which is why the church speaks of mortal sins, doesn't it? Literally, deadly sins. I don't read this as, oh, an oppressive God was coming down hard on us. It's simply making this common sense observation that certain things we do are so repugnant to God's manner of life, that they expel the divine life from us. They're incompatible 
with the endurance of that life. There are lots of walking dead in our culture today. Do you see what I'm saying? People who are walking around, indeed, with a clear secular purpose, but who are dead on the inside, dead where it matters, dead in relation to God. What does grace do? Now, grace, that just means the love of Christ poured into our souls. What does it do? It restores the divine life. Everyone, listen to me. There's nothing more important in Christianity than this. It's precisely why the sacraments matter so much. Baptism puts that life in us. Reconciliation restores it when it's lost. The Eucharist feeds it. Confirmation strengthens it. Marriage and orders give it vocational direction. Anointing of the sick heals it, etc. That's what the church is all about, is putting this divine life in us. Are you the one who is to come, or should we expect another? Well, what do you see and hear, Jesus says to John and to us? Well, we see these effects that he has. Those who are spiritually blind see those who are spiritually deaf hear, those who are spiritually lame move, those who are spiritually dead come to life. Who is Jesus Christ? Look around. Look at the effects he's having in the world. That's a really good Advent preparation. And God bless you. Thank you for listening to this week's homily from Bishop Robert Barron. For more resources from Bishop Barron, please visit wordonfire.org.